Welcome to the Volrath Feed, the show that's focused on bringing you into the commercial side of the food industry. We bring you guests from every area that make up the whole world of food service, and many of which I'd be willing to bet you don't often think of. So hopefully we bring you new and interesting topics within the commercial food service world. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Volrath Company. And with me, as always, is our producer, Justin Pearson. Justin, how are you? Hey, I'm doing really good today, Rich. Thank you for asking. Yeah, good. Yeah, and good energy today. It's going to be a good one. You know, we had it's, a great show here. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm feeling good. You know, it's uh, lots of good things going around. So we'll just capitalize on it all. Right. And the best part about today's show, or not the best, but one of the bonuses about today's show is we are actually going to be eating product on the show. Yeah, you know, and, and it's part of the show. It's okay. We can do that. Yeah, it's kind of weird that we're how many episodes in here. And this is the first time that we're actually eating something on <laughs> more or less a food podcast. Right, you know? right. So, so today, uh, leading into that, we have uh, our bunch bars, which are, I'm going to call them an energy bar, but we might find out a little bit more about, more of a correct name for these. But with the founder of these, which is Carol Christensen, she's the founder, as I mentioned, of Bunch Bars and co-founder of Plot Twist Disruptors. That is going to be interesting to hear about. Her new venture there. Yeah. So she is, um, she's an interesting person. And I'd be willing to bet this is going to be, a, again, a really, probably a very good uh, bar. We call it energy bar, food replacement bar, or whatever it is. Because Carol, she's into natural. She's into, you know, doing things right. She's got a big history here in Sheboygan area with uh, nonprofits. She started Nourish Farms, which is a uh, farm philanthropy type nonprofit where she brings farmers and, and businesses and, and individuals together to help feed people in the area, bringing them fresh, natural produce, you know, things that are healthy. She's into big health and she's got a real drive and it's going to be interesting to hear again from her on um, these two projects we're going to talk about here, the, the Bunch Bars and her Plot Twist Disruptor. So that'll be interesting. She's worked a lot in food service, or excuse me, in the food world. As I said, the food industry with, um, she's been with Johnsonville, which is in the area, Sartori cheese, Sargento cheese. And she worked, I think, with um, a frozen vegetable company for a while. So she's got a lot of background in marketing and food. And now she's got this new project. So it'll be exciting to talk to her. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I'm really on board with a lot of things that Nourish does. One of their, their major components is their education side of it, that they really try to educate and enhance children's lives with good nutrition. So they're, they're really doing a lot of positive things for the community. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is in a way getting back to some of the basics of cooking, right? Cooking is, it's real food. You grow it or you harvest it and you you cook it and then you get rid of all the other stuff that goes in it, right? And that's why mm -hmm. I guess I'm sure her bunch bars are going to be healthier, better alternative to a lot of the stuff that's out there. But get, that's a trend of, I think, people wanting to get back into cooking, especially with what's going on with COVID. If you try to buy yeast or you try to buy other um, cooking, some, some certain ingredients and things at oh, the yeah. grocery stores right now, they're out because everyone's getting back into actually cooking meals again versus all that's the convenience right. foods that are out there. Yeah, yeah. If you go back and listen to the episode with uh, Suzanne Daly, uh, she's got some great tips on how to work around not having any yeast and using the natural mm -hmm. um, 
bacteria in the air to to do the job right. of the yeast. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on in 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 the realm of uh, home cooking, and uh, it's it's nice to have a lot of resources to educate yourself further because yeah, uh, we're coming up on this generation of so many people not cooking for themselves and not knowing even how to to crack an egg. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And a lot of the basics they they just haven't been taught because busy lifestyles, whatever it is, they just well, yeah, and the needs are met it. some other way. You know, it's yeah. uh, eating out and ordering in has has become kind of a staple and a norm. Well, I was surprised. One of the trainings I did last year, we had one of our sales trainees, and it got the discussion got down the talking about delivery, and and he said, well, I get delivery probably to my house four times a week. Mm-hmm. Four times a week, he has food delivered to his house through like Grubhub or one of the other delivery yeah. services. So that was an eye opener to me that he's eating restaurant food that many times a week instead of making his own. So remembering back when from my childhood, we we almost always ate at home, and uh, when we did go out, it was it was a treat like so many other people. But mm-hmm. one time, uh, I was eight years old, and we went to uh, Disneyland. For, for vacation. It was a Christmas present. It was the iconic childhood dream of, of going to Disneyland. And But we ate out every single day because didn't really have the capacity to cook or anything. And I got so sick by the end oh. of, of the trip. Uh, I remember the last place we eat before we got on the plane to come home was uh, Wiener Schnitzel. And mm-hmm. get on the plane and my poor little eight-year-old stomach could not handle it. And by the time <laughs> that takeoff, uh, I was grabbing the the bag and uh, <laughs> oh, no. proceeding to fill it. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> but, bad yeah. day. But uh, yeah, that was it. It was just we. My my body wasn't used to all that the rich food and all the all the mm-hmm. sugar and sodium salt. and salt. And, yeah, yeah. And, and now anymore, it's I I think our bodies have become a bit more accustomed to it. Which maybe we yeah tolerate a little better, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not which, good for you either way. But <laughs> either way, it yeah. Better. So getting back to cooking at home is an excellent idea and having things lo- you know locally sourced and knowing how to educate yourself and where to go for those things and 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 how to prepare them and know what you're looking for is critical moving forward in in our society. Right? In our trainings a lot of the time I would talk about just cookware. You know like our non-sticks and our our fry pans and and ways different things you'd make in different pieces of cookware. So if you've got a stock pot that's tall and narrow. You're looking to extract flavors from the the bones and the vegetables and things in the stock. You, you want a tall, narrow pot so you don't have a lot of evaporation. But when you're trying to reduce something, now you want a short, squatty pot. We call it a sauce pot, right? Smaller, shorter, mm-hmm. but more surface area so you get more evaporation. So those little things we talk about in, in the trainings, you know, not only do we talk about it because we're educating people for commercial, but I'm sure a lot of those people are hearing this for the first time in their own. Oh yeah, you know, and taking it back to their homes. So yeah, they're they're things that make sense when you have somebody explain them to them. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't take a lot of education to to realize. Oh yeah, that that clicks. But right. it's something that you just probably wouldn't normally think of on your own. There's always a right tool for the job, even with cookware. Oh, definitely. Wares, all those things, right? Anything, yeah. Right. So Carol. Uh, leading up to the show here has given us some bars to try and she wants us to start with the competitors bar so we have this one justin we've talked about it before the uh you want to read the ingredients on the competitors for me it's dates egg whites cashews almonds chocolate 
cocoa, natural flavors, and sea salt. All Tans, right. Eggs, almonds, and cashews. Mm-hmm. Give this one a whirl. Dark all chocolate. Right. It's got the sea salt on top there. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, I feel like my jaw is just going to be so tired after eating yeah. a whole bar. Maybe it's meant to do that. You burn calories while you're eating it, too. You get a workout. <laughs> you pick up a little, like, a black licorice taste? I do. Hmm. That's, that's unusual. Yeah. Um, yeah, it okay. is. It's a very almost medicinal quality to it. You know, that, that anise kind of overtone, mm-hmm. licorice vibe. I don't know where it's coming from either. Well, natural flavors, which we don't know. There so. we go. It's the natural flavors. Because <laughs> it's not dates. Maybe a little date, but. Maybe, but. Anyways, cashew, almonds, chocolate, cocoa, or cacao. Natural flavors, sea salt. That's it. That's all it's listing. Hmm. All, all right. right. Well, we'll chalk it up to natural flavors. Natural flavors. All right. And we'll go to the bunch bar. So, Lunch bar, dark, is it the dark chocolate? What is this one? Uh, you know, a note on the protein. People always think more protein, better. Protein, protein, protein. I had a kidney stone, and one of the things that the doctor told me is if you eat too much protein, that's not good, and you can develop kidney stones from it. So there's like everything. Huh. It's hard to believe this, but like everything in life, balance, right? Yep. There's, there's a point where it's too much. and Absolutely. Very few I, things can you just have without any limits and be okay yeah i mean even water drink even too much water of that, that yeah. lady that had some trouble with that right some yeah. contest or something she yeah all right so all right so ingredients this on one. this one we have organic dates soy protein crisp almonds cashews cocoa cashew butter organic chocolate natural flavors and sea salt mm-hmm. we got that better texture right mm-hmm. out of the gate you can feel that right when you sink your teeth into it mm-hmm you know, it's just kind of melting away rather than you having to gnaw through it. I'm getting the cashew, which mm-hmm. which doesn't always translate when you put cashews into things. Like even for like a trail mix for me, like if there's cashews in there, I find myself sifting through it to pick out the cashews first so I can enjoy them on their own. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking I'm getting... um. A little of that flavor in this one, not as bad as the others, but of that, what I was trying to identify as a licorice. I think that might be part of the date. The date is in all of these, right? Yes. I, w- I would go out and purchase one of those. Because mm-hmm. I find myself, you know, you're, you're running behind or you just need something. So that's something good to have in the desk when you you find yourself not having time to have a proper meal. Well, I find that, that a make... lot lately, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be an excellent, uh, excellent option. And something that breaks away from that traditional, all, all the negative things that you really think about when you think of a, a, a protein or energy bar. My time of day is usually that 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right? You uh, eat yeah. lunch, and then 3 in the afternoon, you're starting to look around for something. And having this as an option, infinitely better than anything I've got in the in the vending machine at work. Oh, yeah. You know, and it gives you that, that, that boost you need to overcome that mid-afternoon crash. So. But I'm going to bet it's a it's a boost that doesn't come out like if you eat a spoonful of sugar how that boosts your right blood sugar and then your insulin all those kind of things that react together this is going to be a much slower release which is uh-huh. better for your body for your whole system i'm sure carol's going to tell us a lot about the science behind these these formulations and what she's doing there to to make a healthy uh, snack bar for everyone so yeah it's exciting that uh 
you know, local person here putting something like this together. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, and I'm I'm excited to hear more about the the business plan and just not being 100% profit driven, doing some good with your business and helping out those in need. So I I believe there's something that that she's doing with uh, her company there. I'm sure of it. Yep, that seems to be a, a consistent uh, vein with her in, in as far as the that nourish getting back to that. That was an interesting thing we as a company, Volrath, uh, participated in what they called tours at that time, which meant we took probably 10 people or so from Volrath, 8 to 10 as I remember, and went to work on a, a farm, a natural farm, and met the farmer. And under, she taught us all about how she was farming without chemicals and, and being more natural farm. And then we took some produce or some of the harvest that we had, and we went to a local shelter and we participated in cooking a meal for the people at the shelter. And so we kind of um, had a, a great day learning about natural organic farming and then taking that to some people and making a nice nourishing meal for them to have. So It's really multi-pronged, the positivity that comes out of serving others. Uh, number one, you're, you're doing good for other people who genuinely need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two, you really can... It's kind of for a lot of selfish reasons, too, you know, because it makes me feel good to help other people. Right. Well, think about what uh, Chef Jeremy McGovern said on our second podcast, as I have them hanging on my wall, all the quotes. One of the most beautiful things that I could do for you or that anyone can do for another is to serve each other. That was his quote, remember? Yeah. So there and, you have it. And it's it's beautiful in its simplicity, and, and it, it's so true, and... It's challenging to find time to do that. To we come up with excuses why we can't give our time and our effort and our money, you know, to help out other things. But never is it not worth it. True. You know, and I the thing I think about a lot with with time is there are people who train for the Olympics. They work a job. They have a family. They do pretty pretty amazing things, and they fit it all into the same day that you and I have. Yeah. Right. So. When we look at our days and say, oh, we just don't have the time, and do we really or do we just not put the priority on it as others yeah. do? Yeah, we're all given the same 24 hours. That's right. Justin, let's get to it then and uh, bring in our guest, Carol Christensen, on the show to find out more about Bunch Bars, which I'm also very excited to learn about because if you know a little bit about Carol and what she's done in the past, I think it's going to be fun to hear what she has in the works. So at, at this time, I think we will welcome Carol Christensen to the Volrath feed. Carol, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Very happy to be here. Yeah, Sorry. thanks for thanks for taking the time with us here today. And uh, I know we're going to get right to the to the bunch bars here in a second. But just when I was doing a little research, I happened to notice some of your past uh, work history. And I know you from um, Nourish and some of the other mm-hmm. things you've done recently. But I, I took note that your job history... You started in the food industry and just kind of stayed with it, be it in marketing or product development, product management. But is that was that a plan of yours, or did you just fall into food and stay with food? How did that uh, how that happen that way? Gosh, I think it, I just fell into it after undergrad. So I went to UW Madison, and uh, my first role out of there was food. And once you get in it, I think 
it just becomes part of who you are, becomes part <laughs> of your DNA and the way you think and see things. So. That yeah, is the funny part of it that we find that with so many of our guests. Once you get in the food world, you're in the food world. It's just kind of how it is. But yeah, you started like with vegetables, I think, and then you were in cheese and cheese. sausage and. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, yeah, took a twist and a turn and left the corporate food world and food innovation. So I've been in food innovation the entire time. Uh, most certainly. What, well, what is what does food innovation look like? God, to me, it it starts with really observing what's happening with with people and what their needs are, what they love, putting that together with a little bit of uh, what's going on with trends and so forth, a little bit of luck, a little bit yeah. of creativity, and uh, then you have an idea an idea that you can share, an idea that then you change and just reinvent as you go, like a, a learning loop almost of listening to people, listening to consumers, learning, and then changing and adapting. So that's how I look at innovation. I imagine in the company, you're working with everybody who touches the product from yes. product development to marketing to uh, production, all those different areas. You've, you've got to take everybody into consideration and that's it's got to be a lot a lot of hats to wear and a lot of juggling i would i would imagine yeah i mean cross functional teams sort of how you live and breathe um none of the products i've worked on none of the projects i've worked on i ever could have done myself <laughs> i certainly <laughs> certainly don't have all the skill sets that are sitting around that table and so really my role has been more of you know what are the ideas at the front end that resonate and then what are the ones that the team feels like they can execute with, with just quality and excellence and just products that just wow people. They aren't just even a delight, but just wow people. Yeah. And uh, it takes all sorts of folks and mindsets. And if you have too many people that are all struck from the same mold, you don't get very far very fast. That's true. Right. So in the corporate world, when you were doing the cheese and the sausage and the, the vegetables, everything. What was the product that you developed that you look back on now and think, man, that was a, that was a home run. That one really, really hit it. Oh, is there gosh. one that you can remember that sticks out? Yeah, I think, um, well, there's, there's a couple, but I think at, at Johnsonville, so Johnsonville sausage, I was brought on for innovation and Johnsonville was known primarily for brats. So it was this very like hoorah, you know, brats, you know, sort of a <laughs> sort of a sort of a mindset, which was awesome and extremely successful uh, for the company. But where do you really go from there, and how do you uh, develop products that are incremental, not just cannibalizing? And so that was when Johnsonville Italian was positioned and launched, and that really broadened the spectrum not only in the type of cuisine and culinary, um, but for the company, it was a totally different time of year because it took the company, um, you know, not just took the company from the grill to the kitchen table uh, right. on an everyday, on an everyday basis. Yeah. Johnsonville, they do a really nice job and the, their brats, they, they really took that, what we took as this regional sausage we all loved so much, they are the ones that really, I think, took it internationally, right? They they put it out. Yes. Germany and, and Europe, they, they had pockets as well, I think. But uh, in 
in the early, I remember as a kid going to Arizona, we had to haul a cooler down because it just wasn't accessible down there like it is here. And now everybody can get good Johnsonville brats. Yes. So, coast interesting coast story. Yes. And across right. the world. What took you out of corporate world then? It sounds like you've had a lot of success and, and a lot of great times with it. Um, what was that one pivotal moment where you're like, mm, next, what's next for me? Yeah, it was totally unplanned, uh, most certainly. But as I worked at Johnsonville, it was hard. I was traveling coast to coast. You know, we're selling it new products. It was, you know, cross-functional teams, so many people involved doing amazing work. It's a grind. Uh, so I, so to give back to the community was hard for me to do during the day. Mm. And so my family and I started going to the farmer's market on Saturdays and then cooking at the Salvation Army that night using all these beautiful, beautiful ingredients. And this was in 2008. And uh, the recession hit mm-hmm. and I saw close up as did my family, the lines at the food bank getting longer, the number of people who are homeless, you know, growing. Um, and at the same time, the food that was, was offered was, I mean, sometimes even like garbage bags full of just loaves of white bread um, in bags. It was, it was not a great food situation. Uh, for many, for many people. And frankly, people needed the love that came from food too. Mm-hmm. Um, food is love. Yeah. It's a so, real ingredient. Love is a real, real ingredient. ingredient. It is a real ingredient. It is. And that's what people remember too. Mm-hmm. So at one of those, at one of those dinners, we had made this huge salad from the farmer's market. I mean, I remember thinking, no way. No way people were going to eat all this salad. And it was the first thing to go Uh, because people were so hungry for something that was good for them that just wasn't within reach for mm -hmm. them at that that shelter. And after that dinner, um, they took a paper napkin and wrote a thank you note on it to our family Mm. for making that meal. And uh, so that... That set the stage for Nourish, which is a philanthropy that links farmers and farm-to-table food um, with shelters, boys and girls clubs, and people struggling. So Mm -hmm. that was the pivoting point for me. I I never would have imagined it. And still to this day, I think uh, there's probably someone upstairs looking out for us. uh, (laughs) It was not, you know, I was in the corporate grind. I would fully admit that. I, my mindset was on the corporate, corporate world, but that flipped it in a second. So did you start nourish while you're still working in corporate America or did you just like hard stop? This is what we're doing. It was a hard stop. Okay. It was a hard stop. Now I'm no saint. So it took a few (laughs) months, took a few months and uh, a little bit of, a little bit of soul searching, most certainly. Sure. Uh, that was a big, that was a pretty big, uh, pretty big jump for sure. But I'm happy I made it. I'm happy I made it, was able to make it. Uh, but yeah, my husband and I kind of got together and said, all right, two years, you've got two years to figure this, figure this out. <laughs> and uh, we did. We awesome. did. And when I say we, I mean, a lot of people it was not just me. Uh, many people from all walks of life helped 
helped Nourish become what it is today. So Nourish grew and grew, and you were at the at the lead of all that. And then at, at some point, you you stepped back a little bit from Nourish, right? What what was that? I did. I did. I think I'm the type of person or entrepreneur I'm or innovator that's better at the beginning of things. I'm good at, you know, looking at the wide open, you know, kind of whiteboard, the open slate and, you know, finding those pieces of the puzzle that fit together to maybe make a great idea or, or business model. Um, so after a while, after Nourish was up and going, um, it's like, man, we need somebody who's great at scaling to come in. Mm-hmm. And uh, by that point, we had staff and so forth. And uh, so I took, a, I took a step back and brought in the team that could really grow Nourish to be what it is today. So hats off to them. So can you tell us a little bit about your location? I mean, it's, it's pretty iconic in the area. And it's, it's an amazing story that's behind it. Could you go into a little bit detail about how that came to be and what that process looked like? Sure. So we were growing. We started out at my kitchen table, then took over the garage. So we had my husband once came home and, you know, clicked the garage door opener and couldn't pull his car in because we just had (laughs) stacks. Great, great, you know, organic, fresh from the farm food in the in there and refrigerators lining the walls. (laughs) Uh, so grew out of that, um, went to a couple different places, everyone being super generous along the way and giving us space. Then I was doing a presentation on nourish and I was like, man, now we're growing out of this space. We (laughs) we need, we need more room. We need more room. There's more need out there. Um, it was all driven by the need in the community. And, uh, Dick Bemis stood up at the end of the presentation in the back. And he said, Hey, I've got this 13 acre farm that I'm not sure what to do with. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a barn on it and uh, it's a beautiful rolling Hills location. And so from there, um, myself and then Paul Bartelt actually from Valraf, you know, played just a instrumental role in making that happen again, you know, a broad group, broad team. Uh, but if you imagine just driving down a road in a, in a fairly urban environment, there's 13 gorgeous acres Mm -hmm. (laughs) set aside from that, that had been untouched with a beautiful dairy barn, the the stone, um, facade, the silo, um, the whole thing, the whole thing, the whole picture. And that became, that became where Nourish Farms is, is today completely renovated. And now even with expanded again, mm-hmm. so, yeah. uh, who, who would, have who would have known? Yeah. <laughs> well, known? that, that barn is what you guys have done with it is just phenomenal. And you just know that a lot of effort, time and money went into that place to make it what it is. And I'm sure that came from a lot of generous people, but it is absolutely gorgeous. And um, it's it's available for functions and stuff too, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. It, it's an incredible place. And it, it really, you can see the growth out there and the good things that are happening. So I recommend everybody just to at least check it out online and, and see, the, see the pictures of it. Right. Splendid. 
So let's let's move on. I think fast forward a little bit here to today's kind of focus here on the bunch bar. How did how did this come about? Now, so I I, I know you're you're always thinking and and uh, thinking about the next thing. So where did the inspiration then come from for the bunch bar? Well, I really had the idea back when we were doing Nourish. Believe it or not, uh, what we what we were we're able to do and are doing today with Nourish is this beautiful farm to table food and you know, chefs and culinary and putting that together uh, for people to enjoy, you know, especially kids in need. Uh, but that's not always practical 24 seven, especially for people who may be down on their luck. And so what I would see when we were doing Nourish was this, you know, again, this beautiful food um, being enjoyed at schools and so forth. But then I know those, you know, kids go home and there's not a lot of food in the houses. I mean, we we went house to house uh, and did ethnography, which is a fancy marketing term Mm -hmm. (laughs) for figuring out what's going on at a deeper level uh, with people. So, uh, so what do you do for people who might be homeless and on the street? Uh, What do you do for kids who go home and there's nothing in the cupboard or nothing really good for them in the cupboard? Mm -hmm. And so how do you fill those needs? And that was really when the idea for some sort of snack product that was, again, a wow, amazing product experience that kind of, you know, happened to also be really good for you, you know, <laughs> ingredients and so forth, but just had that, that fantastic flavor profile. And uh, so we talked with consumers, we went to Chicago, we talked with millennials um, about what they might want to purchase and then be able to give to people in need. And uh, bars were at the top of their list by far. Um, Focus group after focus group, interview after interview, you know, maybe a discussion at a bar or two with a few millennials. <laughs> um, you know, that was what they were, that's what they were interested in. And I knew from my work at Nourish that that was, that was a need uh, to be filled. So we were lucky those two pieces of the puzzle really came together. All right. What else is Bunch doing as far as um, you guys are donating anything to uh, any type of causes? Yes. Yes. So, when people purchase bunch bars, they come in like a box of 10 of those. Two bars are given to the cause of your choice. So we have a selection of three causes. Very nice. So bunch bar is really a snack company, but it's also a tech company in some ways because you can go online, you can buy bunch bars and uh, then uh, pick from three causes or you can choose not to pick any of the three and we'll choose for you. So those causes are the Boys and Girls Club uh, Center in Halstead, with it, which is an LGBTQ community in Chicago that serves actually all of the Midwest. And then uh, Sarah Circle is the third one, which helps empower women to break out of homelessness. So those are three causes that you have to choose from. Ah, you're doing fabulous things and... and- 
nourish again. I we as a company, Volrath participated in that. That was such a good yes. thing, and what you're doing now again, such a really good thing. And and I wanted to ask you also. I know you said you did all this focus and things. Is that where you? How how did you come up with the flavors that you were going to do to um, to bring the bars out in? Is that did that come from your focus group, or did you just come up with ideas and or development on that, or how did that come about? Well, we felt like we needed flavors that were really approachable um, to people. So if you look at them, you know we have peanut butter, dark chocolate crunch. Uh, we have chocolate almond crunch. You know, these are things that anyone can look at and think, wow, you know, I want to give that a try. And uh, super important. They also, with my consumer research and insights hats on, happen to be the top two selling uh, flavors in the category. But really what we found in our research was that um, protein bars as a category were sort of succeeding despite themselves. Um, there is a, a big problem um, with flavor and texture in that category. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm lucky enough to know professional tasters due to my corporate life. And we sat down and, yes, we tasted 50 <laughs> protein <Wow>. bars, <laughs> categorized them, and uh, just figured out what we could do to make them a wow product, just yep. even better. And that's what yep. we did with the crunch mm-hmm. and the flavor profiles here. I am very much not a professional taster, but from my amateur standpoint and with protein bars, one consistent thing I find is that it is an incredible workout for my jaw to yes. get through an entire bar. And after trying yours, that was like the first thing I noticed was biting into it. It was just like, wow, that doesn't make me feel like I'm, you know, going to be putting an ice pack on my jaw afterwards. You know, it was, you bite through very easily. It kind of melts away almost, almost like a candy bar or something, some other kind of brownie. What, what did it take to not fall into that same trap that so many other companies seem to be getting themselves into as far as texture? Well, it took, you know, we rolled up our sleeves. I mean, we worked on bunch bars in my kitchen, (laughs) so... You know, it's truly, truly, uh, you know, put on an apron and start making a lot of a lot of bars and figuring it out. But also the ingredients, higher quality ingredients. There's certain things you need to do on kind of slow down when you're making the bars uh, so that they aren't, you know, they aren't crushed. Mm. Uh, I think also the shelf, you know, not to get too food techie here, but you know how long the bars last, the shelf life of the bars. You know, some companies have probably pushed that envelope there a yeah. little bit. And one of the ways you do that is by, um, you know, making them stickier. Frankly, mm-hmm. so we decided we were going to make the very best tasting bar, no matter what, <laughs> no matter what the implications. Um, and that's what we've done. I think you have done. Uh, yeah. We, we tried yours and we tried the, the samples you provided us and, uh, the flavor, the texture all around, just big difference, big difference. Yeah. We really enjoyed them and thank you for again, providing those. They were, the, the taste was real. The, the peanut, I'm up. I love peanut, uh, tasted like peanut. It was, it was just a very good 
texture and flavor combination. So. Oh, well, that's great to hear. That's great <laughs> to hear. We've had, we've been working, I mean, I'll admit, we've been working a year on uh, the what goes into these bars to make sure that they taste great. And that the ingredients too. I mean, it's really, you know, dates, dark chocolate, yeah. mm -hmm. peanuts, natural. It, it's natural. It's clean label. There's nothing in there. Um, yeah. Nothing in there that you wouldn't be proud of. So uh, that takes, that takes work and perseverance. And yeah, you really don't get a lot of the bitterness that you get in some other bars and that the one thing that I'm super appreciative of is the crisp. I love crispy bits in in things, you know, especially chocolate. You know, there's something about it that just lightens it up and gives it a better mouthfeel. And so that was uh, it was a very positive experience there for me. Yeah, you gotta have the perfect level of crunch. Yep, <laughs> you gotta have yeah. the perfect level level of crunch. Yeah. You it can makes definitely it tell. Fun yeah yeah exactly yeah you can definitely tell that the effort and the research went into developing these so i uh i'm excited to see these out on the market when they when they do drop carol i was going to ask you've owned your own business you left corporate world as you said it was a it was kind of a hard stop you just shifted gears mm -hmm. at any time how did you did you have the fear of failure did you did you seriously question oh my gosh or did you just say you know what i'm gonna make it work whatever it takes because i always find that people that make these big changes like do they have that in their mind i i'd, I'd probably overthink it a hundred different ways and and you know <laughs> and not sure how i'd get through it but how did how do you do how do you look at that do you do you just don't even think about the failure side or you just evaluate and go go forward how, how did that happen oh yeah it <laughs> failure <laughs> Failure, you know, innovation and failure go together. <laughs> you know, you don't have one, you don't have one without the other. And Very true. so uh, failure, gosh, it still, um, I think about a million different ways things can fail. Right. That's... <laughs> uh, when you're developing, I mean, some of them real, some of them imaginary, you know, who knows, but uh, it's certainly top of mind. And I think for me, the way I've coped for it is just, just the benefits outweighed it. I mean, it's just always been worth that risk for me mm -hmm. uh, to try to move things forward and uh, try to make things better for more people. And uh, so it's there. I think it's just keeping, you know, keep on keeping on uh, mm -hmm. through it. But but you betcha, failure yeah, is <laughs> failure is present. <laughs> failure yeah. is on my mind, uh, but it's worth it. It's the it's the result and the the part that's worth it that drives you to keep going. Yeah, in fact, I think that uh, both I I couldn't have left the corporate world to do a startup without it being purpose driven, mission driven. Uh, because I'm not sure I would have been able to stick with it and have the grit and the fortitude that you need to make it as an entrepreneur without without helping others. I just just when times get tough, that's what pulls you through. All right, very good. If we're looking at uh, purchasing some bunch bars, if any of our listeners want to to get some, how would they go about that? When when can we get them? And and can you just talk about a little bit about that? Sure. 
uh, go to bunchbars.com, and it's that simple. <laughs> um, <laughs> hop on the website. You can take a look at uh, the flavor profiles that we've been working on. Again, the, the chocolate uh, almond crunch and the peanut butter dark chocolate crunch. And uh, also then, you know, whenever you buy a 10-pack of Bunch Bars, two bars are given to the cause of your choice. And uh, so you can click on a cause and know that it's going, you know, going to people who need it. And actually on the tech side, we go beyond it even in that uh, when those bars are delivered to the causes, uh, we have apps and so forth that push out a message to you saying your bars have arrived at the boys and girls club or yeah. your bars have arrived at the center on Halstead and includes, you know, videos, uh, the boys and girls clubs, the kids are making pictures <laughs> are drawing pictures and so forth. And so that all is included, uh, in, in part of the experience really of buying bunch bars because, Food is love, as we've continued to say. And so if we, when we can build that connection with the community where it's not, you know, giving is great. Um, but we heard time and time again, you know, people want to feel and understand where their giving is, is going. And so we've tapped into technology, coding and apps uh, to make that happen. So not only do you choose, but then that connection continues. Uh, with the cause. Well, that's so great to be able to complete that cycle and see where your your donation is going. You know, it's like you said, it's great to give, but to to know that it's actually showing up where where you expect it to, and, and being able to see that that is uh, that, that's so valuable, and it, it really encourages people to continue to give and to be able to provide more because they're experiencing in that that reward of doing something good yeah and in these times too where it's so difficult to connect with one another physically because <laughs> we're all separated in our homes yeah. and so forth and um, i think that connection is even more worthwhile and even even more meaningful to people so uh who knew when we started bunch bars uh, how important that connection would ultimately ultimately become. And so we look forward to making more connections uh, for people in the future. What advice would you give somebody who is finding themselves challenged with making time to donate their services or their efforts to a worthy cause? How, how does somebody make time to do good with volunteering? You know, it sounds really basic, but it comes down to a question of priority. Mm -hmm. For many years of my life, it wasn't as high of a priority as it, as it should have been. And uh, just carving out the time and saying, hey, I'm going to do this. And just starting, just start, mm -hmm. even if it's a few minutes, just start. Even from just a gaining a perspective, as you're even driving to work in the morning, really think about what you're driving by. Really think about those houses. Um, that you're driving by or, you know, those food pantries that you're driving by, you know, there's a, someone who's down on their luck, maybe, you know, homeless on the street, you know, say hello, <laughs> um, look people in the eye. It, it takes, mm -hmm. it takes just a few seconds and it really means the world to people 
who feel like they're alone, that they're unnoticed, um, and frankly, sometimes even unwanted. Walk yeah. down the, even a, a walk down the sidewalk, you can make a difference in someone's life. So. That's true. A little bit of patience sometimes with people as well, yeah. right? It's easy to fly off the handle because we're all in a rush, but stopping, just be a little more patient sometimes is a way to be helpful. Yeah, just take those few seconds even um, to to really connect with someone. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'd be surprised with all my years on the ground, in the shelters and in the, in the schools and so forth, people just want a little love. They just want to be, they just want to connect with someone and, and want to feel they belong. That's the real reason for Bunch Bars, if you want to get right down to it. All right. I like that. Good reason. I like Perfect. that. Carol, thank you uh, so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We really appreciate it and, and for sharing your story with us. It's been a really educational, uh, interesting, and inspiring. I mean, what a great story of caring for others and, and tenacity of seeing your, your visions through and uh, just a real pleasure chatting with you today. So thank you again. And uh, we really just wish you the all the best going forward and certainly for uh, bunch bars. I hope they're a huge success as we know, not only that is that good for you, but good for those charities you mentioned. Uh, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful causes, wonderful people. Great. And I encourage everyone to uh, go to bunchbars.com and look at uh, the, everything going on there with bunch bars and pick your, your flavor and get your order in. So taking pre-orders now. Uh, Carol, we always like to ask all of our guests at some point in your life, your career, uh, there's been something, someone, maybe a, a thought, maybe a, a, a quote of someone's that's inspired you or that you you look at and, and think about. Do you have anything like that in your life that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yes, I'm, I'm a big fan of Winston Churchill. One of my favorite quotes by Winston Churchill, who we all know basically went through hell and back, is uh, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. Yep, keep going. So right. just, just, just keep on keeping on. Um, yep. And uh, you asked about failure earlier, and I think <laughs> we all feel it. Yes. Yeah, it's just working your way through it and helping people along the way. Yeah, I understand it's part of it, right? You're going to fail at a few things and just keep oh, going yeah. forward. I failed. I mean, it's not the end. Over and over, you know, you fail and. Part of it is probably failing fast and working your way through it so you can get out to the other side. Yeah. As long as you can learn something and take something away from a failure, it never really is a failure. Right. It's, right. It's just I learning. Can, I can attest to that. Yeah. It's like those learning loops that we talked about earlier. You learn mm -hmm. <laughs> from failing and then you just you know learn and then you might fail a little bit. You readjust uh, and just keep on moving forward. So yeah. uh, onward and upward. That's right. That's it. You only fail when you stop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Justin, any final thoughts from you then for today? Yes, sir. I would like to remind everyone to please click that subscribe button. Never miss another moment with a chef or food service industry professional again. And while you're at it, if you could give us a review, let us know what you like, what you don't like, maybe how we can improve, or maybe a topic that you would like to hear us talk about. Perfect. Thank you there. And to everyone listening, as always, I, I hope you enjoyed the show. 
And if you have any thoughts or comments about a topic that we've covered or have ideas for a show, we would love to hear from you. So please reach out to us and let us know at volrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. And as I always end the show, and then it's very fitting, I guess, today, don't worry about the other guy and what they're doing. Just focus on what you do best, and no one's going to beat you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have a great week ahead. So until next time, take care. <laughs>